0: Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here. Thanks for joining me. I am talking, as I've been discussing for the last couple of episodes, how to live a life by design rather than just accepting it by default. Uh, let's be real. You've got one shot at, if you live to be 90, uh I- I think we calculated it a couple weeks ago. I'm going to run it through on my calculator right here because I got it on my smartphone. Uh, let's say 90 years old times 365 days. Let's just skip the leap year. 32,000 days if you live to be 90. And, and I know you go, well, I thought, I thought the average life expectancy was like 70 or 77 or something. Well, you got even less. I, I, I think the expectancy is going up and will continue to increase. However you look at it, though, it's not a lot of time. And... I'm not saying that to um, belittle or to uh, you know make anyone sad. However, I do think uh, as Ecclesiastes encourages us to do. Hey, you know, think about life soberly. In in the sense, it's good to go to the house of mourning, not just the house of feasting, because then we are taught to really order our days, is what Solomon said uh, to some effect in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so, what? We want to do is really make the most of the one shot that we've got at this life, to make the greatest impact, to serve people well, to love others fully, to live life completely, to honor our Creator, to honor and steward the gifts that we've been given, to make the mark we've been called and created to make. And so in the first episode of the series, we really talked about the concept of living by design, not default. In the previous episode, last week, I really broke down the idea of, all right, let's 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 talk about managing the calendar and let's really get to the scheduling issue. Uh, most of the dreams that we want to bring into fulfillment, it honestly doesn't come down to a lack of skill. And when it does, you can acquire It, it doesn't come down to skill or a lack of skill. It comes down to most often the schedule, uh, you know, er- everything in life. Is figure outable. Everything. I remember years ago uh, when I was, oh man, you know, Salter right now, he's about to start the fifth grade as of the recording of this. And so, you know, just as I see him growing up, especially since he's the last kid, uh, he looks a lot like I looked when I was his age. Many of the same mannerisms. We even have pictures of me where he's gotten confused and thought it was a picture of him, but it was me when I was a kid. And so I'm kind of, you know, double taking some of the stuff that I experienced, you know, 40 something years ago. And one of those things is the summer after fourth grade. That's where he is right now. I remember that I wanted a new bicycle and my dad was absolutely not going to buy a new bicycle because he had just bought me a new one. Now he bought me what we called in that day, a cruiser C-R-U-I-S-E-R. That meant it was a dirt bike with 24 inch tires. And there was an, a, a BMX classification, cruiser classification where you race these bigger bikes. And so I, I had a cruiser when I was in the fourth grade and nobody else had the cruiser. Everybody else was still coasting around on these little 20 inch bikes. And I thought, you know, I I really wish I had a smaller bike still. Uh, Now the first small bike that I had, it came with a banana seat, which was cool when I first got it, but then it gradually became completely uncool. As the days went on, and so I never really had in my mind, like even though I did because I had the crim of the crop when it came out, the Western auto radio flyer, banana seat, it was orange with red and yellow. It was a phenomenal bike. But by the time I got my cruiser, everybody else had a different kind of like you know classic BMX bike, which you think of now, you don't think of banana seat bike. I wanted the new kind of bike. Dad wasn't going to buy it. And so I thought, well, I, um, I know where I can get these parts. You know, I would find parts. Handlebars would be given to us, extra bike frames. In fourth grade, I saved up my money. I bought some sandpaper. I took bike parts. I spray painted a bike frame But decided I wanted a white bike. At the time, there, there really weren't white bikes. I thought that's what I want. So I built the bike that I wanted. And the, the way I built this thing was uh, I had to learn how to use the tools. Uh, we had a motorcycle police officer uh, next door to us. His name was Barney. I used to cut his yard for 10 bucks a shot every week in fourth grade, which was a fair price. I would use the lawnmower, cut our yard, and then go cut his yard, edge it, get paid. I remember walking over to his house, knocking on the door, and Barney would welcome me in. He's probably, I don't know, 30 years old. He had a girl that was my uh, sister's age, you know, eight years younger. And so he would walk me around to his shop, show me the big gray and red massive dresser size craftsman toolbox. He would pull them out and say, hey, here's the tool. You turn it this way. That's where the teeth will get. You know, grab it. Like, you can't turn it that way. You got to turn it. And I learned how to do the bike by, he would give me the tool. I I didn't want him to do it. I would take the tools back to my house, and then I would bring them back. (laughs) So I'm laboring on this bike. And in my mind, I remember thinking, I can do this. Now, just finished fourth grade. I can do this because there are other people who've built bikes and none of them were born knowing how to build a bike. So therefore, everybody that's currently building a bike was born not knowing how to build a bike. They had to learn how to build a bike. Therefore, I could learn how to build a bike. Like this is the thought process in the fourth grade. I, I know it's ridiculous. It really didn't come down to skill. It came down to schedule. And I had plenty of margin in the time because as a kid, I didn't have a job. And it's hot, you know, in the Texas summer is where we were. So, you know, I remember sitting in the garage, raising the door, working right there on the bike in the floor of the garage for hours. And what I'm saying is in some sense, the dreams that you have are just like that bike. They're all figure outable. You either already have the skill or God will gift it to you when you need it. There's some phenomenal parents out in the world today. None of them having had the unique skill to be a parent until the child shows up. So the skill is coming or you can learn the skill and you can add to the skill that you have and you can hone it most most often it comes down to schedule that's what we talked about in the previous episode now in this talk I want to really discuss the motivation for these dreams why do you want to pursue the things that you outlined two episodes ago. Why do you want a business that is making a lot of money? Why do you want to be 30, 40, 50 pounds lighter? Why do you want a thriving marriage? Why do you want an on-fire faith life? Why do you want, you just fill in the blank, whatever it is that you think is part of the design life Do you have why do you want to write the book? Why create the online course? Why the podcast? Why this, that, the other? And I think it's important for you to know for you. I don't I don't think you have to have necessarily a noble reason for all of these things. I, I think if the reason That you want to build the business is to make a lot of money so that you can manage your schedule and live stress-free as far as the financial issue is a concern. I think it's good enough if that's what you want. I think if the answer is, oh, I want to make a lot of money so I can give a lot of money to the poor, I think that's a great answer. You know, the the point is you get to decide for you. But at this point, I just think it's important that you realize what the answer is. And that's going to highlight, really, if the dream will achieve that. And if you're okay with that motivation, then pursue it. But just make sure that you know why you're pursuing it. So... Again, three main, let's just call them hangers or shelves to set the ideas on in this talk. Number one is the heart. Number one, the heart. Your heart is never neutral about anything, not even any of your dreams. Now, your heart might be numb it might have a shell around it, it might have some self-protection, it might be in such a place that you can't hear what's being said, but it's always expressing its opinion about certain things. You might need to slow down so that you can hear what your heart is saying. However, you need to learn to listen to your heart because one of two things I really believe is going to dictate The steps you take as you move forward to your dreams, particularly if they are in a public area or if they're big and scary. Number one, you could give reasons that you provide not to pursue your call. And I intentionally use that word call on purpose. I'm going to come back to that word at the end of this talk. The reasons you give not to pursue the call. They're excuses. And if you'll listen to what your heart is saying, your heart will tell you, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about building that business because what are people going to think? I, I've been nervous. I, I've got some failure in the past. I've been nervous about going online. To, transparently, I'll tell you that or promoting a book that i've written because oh what are people going to say? And here's what here's the truth. You will stumble into some knucklehead at some point that decides that their call is to play the devil's advocate, which is a clue that they're arguing for the wrong side and that they need to set you in your place. Well, if that's true, that that's going on and your heart is hearing that kind of stuff, oh, You need to own it so that you can get it set into a healthy place so that you can move forward with the right motivation and all of these dreams. And so that you're not driven by hiding or you're not undriven by hiding, but so that you can just be present. The other thing your heart could tell you is the reasons God has called you to something more than what you're experiencing now and that those desires, those dreams that you have are actually placed in your heart by Him. And you are worthy of pursuing them because they're from Him. The people that are going to be served by your dreams are worthy of you pursuing those. Your family, your friends, the clients, the whoever it is that you're going to come in contact, depending on what dream it is, the people that are going to be inspired are worthy of it. You see, you've got to tune into what your heart is really saying. Now, footnote, unplanned. Just an idea. I'm going to write it down in the show notes below. It's important right here that you come in contact with your true identity. And I'll say this. Your identity is based on what you think the most important voice or person in your life says about you. Now, the understanding of your identity is essential because if that is not resolved internally, inherently, intrinsically, how did you like that? I, 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 if your identity is not resolved, then you will start pursuing externals, outside of you, accolades, achievements, awards, accomplishments, applause, in order to shore up build, facilitate your identity. And that's one of the reasons you've got to listen to your heart as you pursue these dreams so that you can get to the healthiest version of you. That is idea number one, the heart. Here's idea number two. I want you want you to find the dream, start categorizing, scheduling, all things talked about in the previous episode. I want you to hustle. And I want you to hustle... Hard, but I want you to hustle hard in the right way. Let me explain what I mean. There's this incredible verse in Matthew 6:33. Now, that is in the Sermon on the Mount. I've written about this before, where Jesus tells us not to, here's the key word, not to seek the things that phrase used in the Bible is the Gentiles seek. Don't seek the things the Gentiles seek after. That's what he says. He says they worry about the things they'll eat, the things they'll wear, the the normal routine of life. That's Matthew 6, 32. And then he says, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. What you'll eat, what you'll wear, the, the grind is going to be added. Now, I remember reading that verse until about seven or eight years ago. And I read it thinking, oh, you know, I mean, growing up, I thought this. Jesus is saying the people of this world seek certain things, N- namely like some of the necessities of life, like what they'll eat and what they'll wear. I and mean, we all need that. Where we'll live. But you seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, I thought he was creating this counterpoint almost as if to say they seek this, you seek that they seek lesser things. You should seek greater things. However, that's not exactly the full measure of the verse here. It's not just a contrast in what they seek and what you seek. In the Greek language that Jesus spoke, which I I get it, we miss it because we've got English, it's two different words that are used there for seek. In the original Greek language, He uses, uh, well, let's just say it like this. The Gentiles seek what they'll eat, what they'll wear, as a desperate, striving, straining, and chase. Now, that's the word. The Gentiles seek what they'll eat, what they'll wear, as a desperate, striving, straining, and chase. It sounds a lot like the hustle culture of today. The word Jesus uses for you, though, is seek as a hunger, as a desire, as a yearning for God's presence and power in your life. Oh, and when you do that, all this other stuff, it comes as well. Okay, so that's very different. Like, he's not just saying, hey, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Just go serve at the soup kitchen. I remember when I was working in a transitional housing facility for men. I was running it. And I had this bonehead guy, and it seemed like it happened every other week. You know, somebody had this prison house conversion. They're reading the scripture all day, every day, because they don't have a job in prison. You've got nothing to do but read. Like, you're just passing the time. What do you do? I don't know. We're just going to read? And then they get out, and you're like, okay, buddy, it's time to get a job. No, man, I just want to stay in the Word. All day, I'm going to stay in the Word. And they'd use this verse. And you're like, no, like, it's, they'd say, well, no, 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 like, it, pagan people seek what they're going to eat. Pagan people seek what they're going to wear, and I'm and I'm thinking. Well, I got another verse too. You got to hold intention. Paul says, "If a man doesn't work, he doesn't get to eat." No, you got you hold it intention. You say, "Okay, my thing here, in light of this, is not to hustle for what I'm going to eat. What I'm going to wear is a strain, is a strive, is a desperate chase. My goal to seek here." Easier said than done, for sure. Especially when you're pursuing these dreams that are so important, right? My point is that we hunger, desire, yearn, crave, want God's presence and power in our lives, and we make space for that in light of the dreams that He's given us. And as we prioritize that, it comes as we align our hearts and get honest about what's the motivation for these dreams. Oh, well, now he's speaking into that in those secret places when we're working in the one-on-one prayer closet and in scripture and in the word and devotion and you know counterpointing with our brothers and sisters in faith. And as we do that, that leads us to a position of health on our outlook and a humble confidence that... The driving reason while we're pursuing what we're pursuing is because this, this list of dreams in multiple areas of life is what the Father has called me to. Oh, do you see it? So the hangers, the shelves, the categories of what we're talking about in this episode, the heart, let's get it right, hustle. But hustle for the right thing in the right way. The hustle should be a hunger for the presence and power, knowing that, okay, that's going to make the magic happen. And finally, I'd say, hold fast to your call. Years ago, growing up, I remember people talking about careers as vocations. That's the word. Now, notice... The root of vocation, vocal calling, the original way that people viewed work and what we do every day. Whether I'm, my vocation is a banker, my vocation is a preacher, my vocation is I'm a stay-at-home parent, my vocation is I'm a coach, my vocation is I'm a you know I write, my vocation is I'm self-employed, my vocation is I'm an entrepreneur, my vocation is I'm a a fireman. The way we viewed vocation originally was that a voice called us out for a purpose and then directed us and ordered those steps as if we were playing a part in something bigger than us. And that that part affected every area of our life is also every area of all the other lives that we were called to serve. You know, when we see ourselves in that way as sons, daughters of the king, we realize that every dream we have affects so many other people, and our identity as a son or daughter of the king affects every dream that we have, and that every single one of those dreams can all be ordained by God. That your finances, if you go back to the heart and hustle, get it all in the right way, your finance can be... God-ordained dream. That your fitness can be a God-ordained dream. Because if you're not healthy, at some point, your body's the container for all the ideas and everything that's inside of you. If you're sick on the couch, you can't live out the dreams and destiny that's on your life. That your family can be a God-ordained dream. Dream. I mean, for goodness, he created the family first before all this other stuff. That business can be a God ordained way to bless people. That faith, for sure, that whatever it is that he's called you to do, called vocation, there, there it is. And again, in each area of life, hold fast to it. Do you see? I'm going to put some links down below in the show notes for you. My prayer as a close out for you today is that the Lord would bless you and keep you. He would be gracious and shine his face of favor upon you. May you, just cueing off that last point that we said about holding fast to your call. May you realize that you can hear the voice of God for all of these dreams that you have. Jesus said clearly, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. Now, sometimes we got to wade through the clutter for sure of what's going on in life, but you can hear God. You can hear the Spirit's voice. May you hear him speaking to you right now. Grace, peace. I'll see you soon.